focusing on an emerging generation of kings. All right, Daniel chapter 6. It's a long read, so for time's sake, I'll read most of it, and then I'll ask you to join me to read the rest of it. I'll also cite certain references as we progress. I laid a solid foundation in the first service. I usually preach the extension in the second service, but also giving you solid roots um, to be able to have a theological base for the sermon to sit on so that you are not floating. But I always recommend that you catch up on midweek services and any other service that you're not physically present in. Daniel 6 verse 18, if you're there, say amen. amen. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night doing what? Look at your neighbor, say kings also fast. So this week we're having immersion from Thursday to Sunday. Thursday we're praying four hours, uh, yeah, four to eight. And then we're going to pray 12 hours on Friday and 12 hours on Saturday. And for those of you who are able to fast, please fast. Uh, stay on water. Hi. It's good to see you, know you. Yes. God sees you. <laughs> Right, stay on water. Um, I think we might serve lunch on Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure for those who want to break by three or, or I don't know. But if you can fast, look at him as a king's also fast. The king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. No entertainment, no amusement, no appeasement. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamented voice to Daniel. The king saying, spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, how? Continually. Has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, oh, king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Look at him and say, you're coming out of the den. You're coming out of the den. You're coming out of the den. Can somebody tell somebody else, say, you are coming out of the den. You're coming out of that danger, out of that dense problem, that dense challenge. And the Bible says when he came out, there was no injury whatsoever found on him because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions but not only those men also their children and their wives please look at a woman beside and say be careful who you get married to be 
because if they are thrown into a den you might find yourself in the den tell your neighbor don't marry a traitor don't marry a prosecutor or a persecutant persecutor persecutant pest you can't they threw them there and what happened to them the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones and pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And this is where it gets very interesting. The king wrote a new law, signed a new decree to all peoples, all nations, all languages that dwell in all the earth. He said, peace be multiplied to you. I decree, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Jadisola. Before the God of Pastor Vicky. Before the God of David. Before the God of Bukola. Before the God of Sunday, even when the day is not Sunday. He signed a decree that this God that delivered somebody from a lion, that's the only God people should be worshipping. God will show himself so strong in your life. He will manifest his glory and his greatness so significantly in your life. That for some of you, your MDs and your CEOs will be like, oh, you know what? I don't want anybody to pray in any other name but the name of Jesus here. Oh, that amen does not sound convincing. And he said concerning the living God, this only living God, is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall endure to the end. What does this say? Let's read verse 27 and verse 28 together so that you absorb that. Read together. He delivers and rescues. And he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of of Cyrus the now go put your name so this Damilola Oluwatebo prospered in the time of Jabba and in the times of Sapa oh come on somebody say that now put your name in there so this in the time of Buhari and time of Buha you are prospering Say this dummy is prospering. <laughs> this text is a post text of a story. A story that many of us know. You've heard it said before. Maybe you've never read it word for word. But you've heard it before. And that's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. How Daniel was so good. He was too good. And you know when you're very good. You're going to have a lot of people that are selling beef around you. People are going to become meat sellers because you're so good. They just have a lot of beef for you. But look at your neighbor say, no matter what they beef you for, don't chicken out for them. Tell the neighbor, I'm not a tolo tolo. I'm not going to be low or low. They might beef you, but don't chicken out. So they beefed him and they were looking, how do we catch him? How do we arrest him? He cannot be that good. There must be something about him. There must be an area where we can hold him ransom. 
There must be an area where we seize him, where we contain him, where we confide him. There must be an area where he's not getting it right. So they surveyed and they thought about it and said, the only thing that we can hold this guy for is that he loves God too much. Can I challenge you this week? That your love for God should be the only thing people can blame you for. Oh my goodness. They look at him and say, you're so fine. They look at him and say, you speak so well. They look at him and say, you're so punctual at work. But the only thing is that you pray too many times. Isn't that a good accusation? Isn't that a big deal? That the only thing they say about you is, oh, you pray too intensely. Oh, where are those I'm speaking about? <laughs> the only thing that could hold against him is that this guy, if you want to catch him, you must catch him in the place of prayer. You can catch him only when it has to do, do with God. And this morning, God wants to challenge us to make the shift from pop culture, what people hold popular and esteem highly. He wants us to make that shift to his kingdom culture. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for inspiration and light. We thank you for understanding. We thank you for the infusion and the outpouring of your spirit. We thank you because no one here will be left on the same level, but we are all transformed, changed, reformed in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you elevate every man and every woman, that you pull men and women out of dens and out of trouble and out of fears and cares, and you plant our feet on the solid rock, the Christ, that we will not be swallowed by the culture of the world, but will stand as ambassadors of the culture of the kingdom. We give you all the praise, our Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Can your amen be a little louder than that? We're talking about pop culture versus kingdom culture. Make the shift. We live in a generation of influencers. Most people here have heard the word influence. Have you seen an influencer before? An influencer before? An influencer is basically a person who has a strong personal brand that can be partnered with. <laughs> me, right? That people can partner with to be able to extend the visibility of their own brand. So if somebody's an influencer, the person has a following or a message or is standing in society or community that other companies, organizations, or brands can say, hey, let's collaborate. Let's do a deal based on your positioning in the culture. We're going to give you some money or some products or some opportunities or some offer and then you will represent our brand. You'll wear our clothes or use our makeup or our face up as the case may be uh, looking at neighbors say no fake up here no fake up here uh, right right we'll, we'll give you something and then you give us something you call out we collaborate so we are used to the influencer culture and it's grown over time and over the years there have been mega influencers in america you have the kardashians they are massive influencers who control the eyeballs of literally tens of millions of people every hour Every hour, there are tens of millions of people who are exposed to a Kardashian brand, either viral content on social media or a picture or keeping up with the Kardashians and stuff like that. What they're basically doing is that they are using their lives as platforms for the visibility of an ideology or a philosophy or a thought or a product. When God saved you, he didn't save you just to be a consumer. He saved you to recruit you as an influencer. Not an influencer for the world, but an influencer for the 
kingdom. And so in Nigeria today, you have some really big influencers. My research shows me that Davido has almost 25 million followers on Instagram. And now he went off social media for a couple of days or weeks. I don't know how long. And then it came out with a timeless thing. Within a couple of seconds, there were over 200,000 likes. No minutes, actually. Over 200,000 likes on a video. Look at your neighbor. Say you have the message. Stop hiding it. People who don't have the right message are so audacious. They are so blatant. They are so outrageously confident of their wrong messages. Now, I'm not saying all of the songs are wrong, but the heart of many of them are wrong. Are we talking right now? Right? But, but they are bold in exporting what they have. And we examined that about two Sundays ago where we saw Jesus saying that the children of this world, they are wiser in their day than the children of light. They are more skillful in the way they apply the principles that govern their own marketplace and their own market space. So he has 25 million or so followers and brands are willing to pay him as much as $100,000. There's like 70 million naira just to be able to promote or advance their brand. So you, you, you watch a movie by Funky Akidele and all of a sudden she's packing out the box office and clear, cleaning that out. and Largely because she has over 15 million followers. Now in the world, it's all about the numbers and it's all about the size. In the kingdom, it's not just about the size, about the substance. And that's why when Jesus speaks about faith, he said, if you have faith as what? Little as the mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. So when God wants to raise his own influencers, he's not so concerned, he's not really concerned about the size of the influencer, he's concerned about the substance of the influencer. Oh, come on now, help me. He's concerned about not the amount of salt, but is the salt really salt? <laughs> Jesus said that you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. He said if the salt loses its savor or its substance, it's good for nothing, but to be thrown on the foot and be trampled by men. So what God is saying is before you begin to think about the numbers and fame and popularity, let's make sure that you are really salt. Somebody shout, my salt is salting. My salt is not insulting. My salt is salting. Which means that when we say you are salt, you are really salt. You make a difference. When we say you're filled with joy, we are not pretending. Is there anybody who's really salt here? Volume. Is there anybody who's really salt here? Is there anybody who is really, really, really salt? Okay, I think the only five people who are salt on this side. So God is more concerned about that. So even when the enemy looks like he has arrested the salt, he does not know that what God is doing is that he is keeping the salt in the soup to change the whole soup. What I'm speaking about is metaphoric, but I'm going to apply theologically. When you put salt in soup, the soup would have missed it to say, I have arrested the salt. It's actually the salt that has arrested the soup. Because even though the salt is in soup, the soup is now in salt. When the enemy thinks, oh, come on, mainlanders, you can give me some energy over the internet. When the enemy thinks that he has arrested you, he does not know that you are the one who has arrested it. Oh, my goodness. 
he does not know that you're the one who has arrested him how do i know because there is nothing you can do against the truth everything you do against the truth is really for the truth as the word says and so when daniel is thrown into the fire people think that daniel is in fire but they don't know that the fire is actually hotter on the inside of daniel which means that when the believer finds himself in trouble the trouble does not define the believer the believer redefines the trouble the believer makes the trouble look so attractive people are beginning to crush on the trouble like god give him the oh, come on now like god can you give me the kind of trouble you gave him because when god brings you out of the trouble you look better than you were before you enter into the trouble and so like that david you can say thank god that i was afflicted it was a good thing that i went through the trouble some of you are not bearing witness but some of you know that you were better off after covid than before covid some of you know that you are wiser after the break up huh, than before the relationship some of you are coming now some of you know that losing that money in your first business was actually good news because the money you lost gave you sense you didn't have where are those who are profiting from their trouble where are those who understand that the bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous but the lord delivers him from them all let me put to those who've been delivered anybody delivered from an ex anybody delivered from what made them vex anybody delivered from contaminated sex outside of marriage anybody delivered from the devil's hex trying to break them are you hearing what i'm saying those who have not been delivered you can sit cool calm and collected like god is not a good god but for those who have been delivered how many look at your neighbor and say god saw me through and i am grateful grateful that i saw me through oh yes when god allows the believer to go into trouble he's not he's not trying to punish the believer he uses the trouble not to punish but to polish the believer because even in the natural when you have your pair of shoes and you put some some polish on it for it to shine you need to brush it so when the enemy thinks it's brushing you like he's harassing you like he's decking you he does not know that he's an unpaid employee that God is using to bring out your hidden glory oh somebody you're about to become the finest you've ever been even though you're going through trouble right now going through a mess right now going through some lack and some loss right now God is about to redefine transform change augment embellish reconstruct reposition rejuvenate and redefine your life and experience if it's who I'm talking to slap yourself a palm burden glory activating high five and say I'm coming out better and coming coming out stronger and coming out finer and coming out richer and coming out greater because greater is he that is in me than he that is in come on now give God praise so when the king of Babylon he goes please be seated he goes to the land of God's people and he cuts things away he cuts their vessels from the temple and then 
he cuts the people. He cuts the he takes the people away and takes them into captivity. Now soup thinking that he has arrested salt. He did not know that Daniel, Shadrach, Mishnah, and Abednego, they were salt in soup, but they are about to change the entire taste of the soup. If you ever, if you ever find yourself under arrest, it's because God is about to bring you into arrest. A kind of rest you didn't have before. So rest assured. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Hey, of salvation. Jesus of God. You see, see, you've got to understand this, that no matter what happens to you, you are fine. God saw the entirety of your life before you started the first day. And he installed in you the graces, the giftings, the abilities that you need under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not only to survive, but to thrive. The purpose of God in bringing Daniel into Babylon was not to teach Daniel a lesson. Many of us will think that every time we're in trouble, God is trying to teach us a lesson. I taught you last week or two weeks ago that God can use things as environments to teach you. But the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Suffering is at best a classroom. Suffering is a context in which God's Spirit instructs you. Because if you think that suffering is what will teach you a lesson, you're trying to suggest that suffering is superior to the Holy Spirit in intelligence. So the Holy Spirit can stand in your suffering with you. Because he's taught by the feelings. Christ in his mediation ministry is taught by the feelings of your infirmities. And he can stand in your sufferings with you. And the Holy Spirit begins to teach you. So Daniel in Babylon, God is trying to use Babylon, God is trying to use Daniel to teach Babylon a lesson. Yeah. Are you here now? Yeah. So when he's caught up in captivity, Daniel could have said, ah, oh boy, now well, you don't cast. Last, last. Now everybody, not job. Y'all are asking us if you don't know that hymn. <laughs> What's your name? Rejoice. Fajiro. What are you asking us if you, are you not a choir mistress in that hymn now? <laughs> right. Now, how do I know? He wasn't complaining because when we read the text, we're going to get there later. He had a custom of still facing Jerusalem. He did not allow his presence in Babylon rob him of his disciplines in Zion. He didn't allow the context of his current hardship redefine his loyalty. For some of us, just because we're trying to load airtime, your phone did not even get missing. Airtime was not loading. You try the first time in life, try the second time, third time. What say, God, you've forsaken me? Oh God, calm down. Look at him and say, Relax. You said you wanted you wanted to vote. You wanted to vote. You wanted to vote. You couldn't find your voter's card. Eventually, you found the card and got to the place. Now look at your face. It didn't look like a current you. They said it's the old. He said, God, you've abandoned me. Look at him and say, Rest, rest, rest. Daniel, he had his convictions. Don't allow a change in location become a change in loyalty. Hmm. 
hundreds of miles away from his homeland but he still had security homeland security are you here why because daniel even though you entered as a slave i'm going to use you to change the taste of babylon the king of babylon sees you as a casualty but i see you as a kingdom influencer the soup thinks is arrested the salt but the salt is going to change the whole taste of babylon by the way, what is Babylon? I explained to you three Sundays ago about the mystery Babylon with Southern Revelation. The Babylon is the systems of the world, the system of the world, the fallen system of the world, the philosophies of the world, which is driven based on materialism and based on economic prosperity and based on manipulation to ensure that it rises to the top to fulfill its sensuality and its carnal desires. So Babylon is the system of Satan that he allows men take authority over. In other words, one of the seductive things about Babylon is that the earthly kings of Babylon think that, in, that they are in charge. But it's actually demon spirits that are in charge of Babylon. Oh, come. But the people of the world think, oh, we're the ones in charge. Because the enemy knows that the more subtle he is, the stronger he comes across us. And you're going to see Babylon in every space where you find human beings. Babylonian systems in government. Babylonian systems in fashion. Babylonian systems in media. Babylonian systems in entertainment. Babylonian systems in sports, in academia. And you're going to see in the Bible as well, when you, when you go to uh, the book of Genesis chapter 11, you see the Bible says there was a man called Nimrod who became a mighty hunter before the Lord and then he began to galvanize people and they built the, build the tower of what's the tower of Babel? the tower of Babel Babel is the root word for Babylon what's the major thing about the tower of Babel? because they didn't call it tower of Babylon until their tongues were divided don't sleep on me mainland island so Babylon means confusion. Babylon means scattered tongues. Babylon means overwhelm. Babylon means everybody wants to have their way. Because when speaking your own language, you want everybody to agree what you're saying. And Paul says where there is strife, then there is envy and every evil thing. Which means that when the enemy wants to take over a system, he sends Babylon first. He sends strife first. He sends confusion first. He sends scattered tongues first. Somebody say a tower, a tower. of Babel. There was a spirit behind it. When God wants to reform that, he creates another tower. What tower does it create? An upper room. What tower does it create? A watchman's room. What tower does it create? Abacoc said, I will climb my tower. I will stand upon my watch. Oh, come on, don't be spiritually. And see what he will say to me. So the first tower came down with confusion. In the New Testament, when he's rebuilding the order of Zion in the earth realm, he leads them to another tower. The upper room. And he gave them another language. Oh, come on now. Called the language of the Spirit. So the language of Babel was the language of the flesh. Was the language of self. The language of Zion is the language of God. And is the language of the spirit. So pop culture is always antithetical to God's culture. 
So when the prophet teaches us to speak, he said, let the weak not say I am weak. That's Babylon. Let the weak say I am strong. That's kingdom. He said, let the poor not say I am poor. That's Babylon. Let the poor say I am rich. That's kingdom. In other words, the shift from Babylon to Zion means you don't talk what you see, but you say what you want to see. It means that you don't affirm or validate sickness by claiming it. It means you affirm and validate the word of God by speaking what God says concerning you. That you are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You have overcome the world. Where are those I am speaking to? Some of you are looking as if the world has overcome you. Come over you. Like you're carrying the shoulders or shouldering the weight of the world on you. But when you come to Zion, it's like casting all your cares upon him. For he cares for you. I'm sorry if sometimes I look like I'm careless. That's because I care less. Because he cares for me. High five somebody real quick. Say I'm not carrying my cares on my face. Jesus is carrying my cares for me. He's carrying my cares. It's another tower. So whenever Babylon invades, the question is where is your tower? Because Babylon has a tower. Babylon has towering images. We saw that in Daniel chapter 3. Where he made a golden image that was so high. 90 feet. Huge. Babylon has towering images. Viewpoints and perspectives that want to look down on you. Ask your neighbor, where is your own tower? What have you built with God? What have you galvanized in the secret place? Are you high in worship? Are you high in prayer? Mainland, how many look for three people and tell them, I need you to be high. Look for three, we'll tell them, get high, get high, get high, get high, get high. Don't just be, yeah, 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 yeah. Get high on the right substance. Oh, let me add that. Don't get high on drugs. Get high on the doctor. Get high on Jesus. Don't be quiet on Jesus. Don't be shy about Jesus. You are, you are in a generation where people are proud to be gay. Where people are having rallies on homosexuality. Why are you hiding the name of Jesus when men are no longer scared to wear red lipstick and act like they're, oh, come on, that it's a skit. There's nothing funny about that. You need to carry Jesus on your head, not just on, on your head, on your chest, on your nose, on your face. Carry Jesus everywhere you go. Kingsley, I can't hear you saying anything. Everybody shout, Kingsley, carry Jesus on your head. Some of you, you carry Jesus on your head on Sunday. Then you watch, make sure nobody's looking at you, carrying him on your head. Left the service, you put him inside. Jesus, hope you are fine. Jesus, it is well with you. You are encouraging Jesus. That's an idol. <laughs> are you here? So we see in this text, he is so high on God. He is so visible. Kupa, it became clear that the only way to catch Daniel is to catch him with God. Are you that close to 
God that if you are accused of being too loyal, you will be imprisoned. Is there enough evidence for you to be convicted that you're a God loyalist? Or are you a part of the fan club who just likes his tweet once a week? So Jesus, I, I like this tweet. Ah, Jesus, this tweet. <laughs> you did tweets. This tweet is tweeting. Keep it, pin it down. <laughs> Pinned. Right? But you have that relation because they said, see, the only way you're going to catch this guy is with God. Give us, give us the verses earlier. I think verse 8 or so. This is what you're going to do. They, they convince the king to sign a decree because of one man. I want to see your power. How powerful the believer is. This is one Daniel, yet they write a law to try to keep one man down. Do you know one of the ways in which God reveals your true possibilities and potential to you? By showing you the desperate measures the enemy takes just to keep you down. When you see the, see the size of opposition the enemy is launching against you, it should tell you something about you. That what the devil is trying to stop is not this current you. But that there's a future you that is so glorious and magnificent that is so scared that if we let Pastor Vicky survive the next three months, she's going to take over nations. Come on. If we let Vigero attend just another king service, the world is going to shake. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he's going to do everything he can to keep you out, to keep you down, to keep you distracted because he's not just scared of the you you see because we've already seen that. He's scared of the you that you haven't seen yet. So they established this decree. It's a sign the writing that, that cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. He says, sign it into law that no man, no woman, nobody in this kingdom should pray to any man or God. And they said for 30 days. For some of us, there's no decree, but we have not prayed for 30 days. Look at Abel. Just raise your eyebrow like, like I pray now. You are praying and scrolling. Plus Jesus minus Satan. <laughs> says the Lord's prayer. The Lord has already prayed. Look at Abel. Say, Badua! Say, pray! What has happened to many believers is that they land in Babylon and they are caught up in the physical glory of Babylon. And then they forget the disciplines, the routines of Zion. They enter into a relationship and they stop praying about their marriage. Oh, come on. Like God has already answered my prayer. Has he? The Lord has answered my prayer. I will sing praises to him. So you don't know that song. Let me tell you something. Whatever prayer brings you into, you will need prayer to sustain it. Prayer brings you into marriage, you need prayer to sustain it. Prayer gives you a new job, you need prayer to sustain it. Prayer brings you into a new house, you need prayer that the house will not become a prison. High five your neighbor, say pray. Give them a palm burning, blister inducing. High five and say pray. What does Daniel do? Verse 10, go to verse 10. 
the same day the same day the word says when daniel knew that the writing was signed he knew he was not confused they said nobody should pray that same day my guy went to his house and said i'm praying come and beat me in my house come on literally i'm in my house come and beat me now how many of us have that level of chest liver how many of us have that level of gongosity that's elemiosness that Judaism that Judaism how does have that level of chastitude oh can I, can I invent more words Odojuism. Allyism. Now we deism. Now we theology. Say this day, not the next day when people have forgotten. The ink is still fresh on the paper. Come on now. The seal on the wax is just about to congeal. And Daniel says, it does not matter what is happening. I will never allow a Babylonian decree rob me of my divine devotion. The people who will enjoy kingdom power and kingdom influence are not those who cower at the first sign of discouragement or discomfort. But those who will carry God on their heads even when they know that if they see God on your head, they will behead you. Because the gospel would never have gotten to Africa if people didn't carry God on their heads. I hope you know that people were quartered. You know what it means to be quartered? That means your whole body will be cut into four parts. That's quartering. Right? They decimate the head and then they rip the body into four parts. People were tied to horses. One leg on one horse. The other to the other horse. And we still can't get some believers who are sitting in air-conditioned houses and fancy glass, uh, glass chairs and well-manicured road and a nice Yamaha M661 uh, uh, transparent drums, for goodness sakes. We still come on now. Have you seen transparent drums? You need to put some light in there to make it glow. We still can't get into praise. We still can't get into shout. But that's not the person, the person I'm speaking about, they are not here. That you don't need to be beheaded. You don't need to be cut and splintered. You are alive and well. The least you can do is show some gratitude by being loyal. Look at your neighbor say, I'm loyal because I'm not a... Oh, I'm loyal! Just say, I'm loyal. I'm not a whole, I'm holy. I'm loyal. Holy, there's L and Y, and L and Y and loyal. It's not loyal, I'm your God. Loyal, loyal, loyal. Are you seeing? The same day he did that, he went to, the Bible says he went home, and in his upper room, there was an upper room for everybody in Acts chapter 2. But before there was Acts chapter 2, there was Daniel chapter 6. Where Daniel had his own upper room. Wow. Do you have a room where you pray, where your prayer partner is not present? Do you have a room where you pray when master life is not in session? Come on. Do you have a room where you pray when in love with kings is not on? Are you still in love with the king when in love with kings is over? In love with kings is uh, foundational training. Or experience the love of God and learn to respond to it and to express it. 
Are you still in love? Look at your neighbor eyeball to eyeball and say, are you still in love with the king? Went that same day. And he went to go and pray. Then he didn't just stay there. He opened up a room where everybody can see. That was his custom anyway. He wasn't trying to prove a point. The Jews then, whenever they were in dispersion, they will always face Jerusalem. And you can see that because when Solomon dedicated the temple, he said, dedicated temple, he said, whenever people look at this temple and they pray, answer their prayers. Come on now. Now, Jerusalem represented a token of their covenant with God. That if we looked in this direction, we will look and leave. The practice is not eternal, but the principle is. The practice was to look at Jerusalem. The principle is not Jerusalem. The principle is look on what God has set apart as holy. So they had Jerusalem, which was the place of peace. That's what it means. Jerusalem. Salem. Asalama. Salem. Salam. Peace. Right? Now, they had Jerusalem, which is the place of peace. We have Jesus, our Salem. Our Prince of Peace. And the good thing about Jesus is that I don't have to look in a physical location. If I can set my faith on him, I'm looking unto him. Looking unto Jesus, the author. You want to get me preaching before I preach? I might as well preach now. Looking unto Jesus, the. Looking unto Jesus, the. What are the two major things about Jesus? Go back to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10. Sorry, Daniel 6 verse 10. Thank you for this book. Go back there. What are the two major things about an author? What are the two major things about an author? Go back to Daniel chapter 6 verse 10. Number one thing about an author is that every author has writing. And when you meet the author for an autograph. So Daniel is like, King, you have written and signed something. But before you learn to write, there was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And by the word were all things made. And nothing was made that was made without the word. In other words, I will not allow the writing and the signature of an earthly king. Stop the writing and the signature of my heavenly king. You may write, but it is written. You may try to write something else, but he already wrote. The doctor may write a prescription, but Jesus wrote my healing. The lawyer may write a case, but Jesus is my advocate. He wrote my freedom. The accountant may underwrite and say, I'm broke, but Jesus wrote my prosperity. Not only did he write it, he signed it. He said, where, 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 where are those who know what is written? Who know what is signed? Who knows what is delivered? Where are the people who know I'm not going to allow what's going on in the Nigerian economy or in the health sector become the dictates of my life. I have been written, certified, signed, catered to, provided for, preserved and protected. Come and look for five people and tell them it is written and it is signed and settled. Written. Let me give you three things very quickly. If you're going to make the shift, make the shift. Number one, you may be seated. 
Number one, you must have conviction. Shout at mainland, shout conviction. PLT, can I hear you? Shout, holler, holler till I can hear you. Shout conviction. Mazi, can you shout right where you are? Shout conviction. Is Iyanu somewhere in the hall? Iyanu, can you jump up and run to the front? Okay, shout conviction. Conviction. If there's a man or a woman beside you, say not congeal conviction. Conviction. You just have conviction. <laughs> conviction. You must have it. Now, what is conviction? Conviction is more than commitment. Conviction is the father of commitment. Conviction is a deep-seated persuasion that something is what it is. That what you consider truth is true. That what you believe is real. Conviction does not change based on your mood. Based on the weather. Based on what people are saying. Based on what people are doing. If you change your mind based on how somebody treated you or didn't treat you. Remembered you or didn't remember you. Talked to you or didn't talk about you. You don't have conviction. If you have to move at the slightest threat, if you have to retreat, you did not have conviction. Many believers have interests, but they are looking for the harvest of conviction. You can't sow the seed of interest and expect the harvest of conviction. Interest is casual. It's mundane. It's like a wish. It's flimsical. It can dissipate. It can melt. It can fade. Conviction is deeply rooted. One of the signs of conviction, one of the examples of conviction is when you have uh, a suicide bomber and they say, this guy is a suicide bomber. He straps the bomb on himself. He wears his long kaftan with his long beard and all of that in a turban or sometimes they don't even dress like that and they get on the airplane and they are just so sold out to the cause. They are willing to blow themselves up for what they believe. You are not yet in the place of conviction until you are willing to die for what you claim you believe. Can I tell you something? Some of the people that lack conviction the most in this world are casual believers. Terrorists have conviction. Oh, come on. Is that so? The gay people, homosexuals, bisexuals, they have conviction. Isn't that so? Oh, come on, talk to me. Even talk. Have you seen the pedophiles trying to lay claim to public acceptance as well? Yes. The, the bestial ones as well. I'm loving my puppy. Get delivered. Love your puppy, like it, but don't be in love. You're in love. Person, <laughs> people go marrying snakes, right? But many believers have not encountered or experienced the depth of conviction. And when I say many believers, many casual believers, which means that we don't hold what we claim to be true to be true. If you have conviction about generosity, you will not complain about giving. Oh, come on now. If you have conviction about prayer, you will spend less time worrying, murmuring, analyzing, gossiping, and more time praying. Are you here? Conviction is so key that it opens doors. Put it together. 
Did you get that? Conviction is so cockerel that is shilakums. I just said what I said earlier in Yoruba. It's so key, so important that it opens doors. And how many of you know that there are people who have less intelligence but they have greater conviction? And because they have greater conviction, they get more opportunities, more doors, more access, more favors just because they are more convincing. The person who wins the case in the law courts is not a smarter lawyer. Is the most convincing lawyer. Can I tell you that the entirety of your life is a legal system where what really wins the day, what really claims the victory is not your intelligence but the power of your advocacy. That's why the Bible does not say we have a high genius. It says we have an advocate. Come on now. Which means that genius is important but if genius is not translated into advocacy, you go suffer. Somebody shout, God strengthen my conviction. Conviction. What makes a man open the window with his full chest and pray on the day that the king, one of the weirdest, wildest, baddest kings on earth, says, don't pray. He said, me, my coconut head is stronger than your decree. I will pray. I will pray. I will pray. I will pray. But I don't pray. That part is not accurate, you know. Because there are many times you didn't pray. And the mercy of God kept you. <laughs> are you here now? There are times you prayed and prayed and miss, And God's grace corrected your intention. There are times you pray, but you did pray as you did pray. <laughs> Somebody shout, thank you God for mercy. Please pray, but our faith is not in our prayers. Our faith is in the one we pray to. He's the one who's perfect because many times even our prayers are not. But his perfection is so overwhelming that he can absorb the imperfections of our prayers and perfect our requests through the eternal priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. The first thing is conviction. If you are convinced that God is at a gathering, how many of you know that you not drag your feet to get to that gathering? Isn't that so? If someone told you now that Elon Musk is a landmark, how many of you know that from here you're going to be headed there? Or raise your hand if that's true. Some of you are like, eh, Elon Musk, Elon Musk. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> if you don't know who that is, just write down the name and Google it. That's what I do. If I hear a word I've never heard before, and that takes a lot for me to hear what I haven't heard before, or I hear a word that's pronounced a different way, or a name I don't know, just write it down. Right? All of us are still learning in one way or the other. The person who claims to know it all is oftentimes the person who does not know enough to not know what he does not know. Conviction! Conviction is full chestology. Full chestism. Look at your neighbor say, be a man of conviction. Be a woman of conviction. Most people are people of convenience. So when it's convenient to pray, they pray. When it's convenient to give, they give. When it's convenient to preach, they preach. When it's convenient to forgive, they forgive. But when it alters their state or their preference and we need conviction, then we see them bending in the direction of their preference as against aligning with the principles of their purpose. Daniel had conviction. 
For you to do the will of God and fulfill the agenda of heaven, you must be a man of conviction, a woman of conviction. You don't allow yourself to be thrown into the lion's den if you are not convinced that God is able to save you. You don't allow yourself to be thrown in the fiery furnace if you are not convinced that God is going to be in the fire with you. God said when you walk through the water, they will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, they will not burn you. I will be with you. David had conviction. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. That shepherd lacked conviction. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want conviction. Can I talk to people on the mainland? Conviction. Look at your neighbor if you're on the island and say conviction. If you're on, if you're on the mainland, I'm giving you this microphone. Shout conviction right about now. Conviction. Conviction means full persuasion. Job said, I know that my redeemer liveth. And that he is going to raise me up on the last day. In other words, Job was so convinced of his walk with God that he saw resurrection morning in the Old Testament. He said that he will not, David said he will not allow the Holy One, my Holy One, see corruption. He will not leave my soul in the world of the grave. Listen, if you're going to be a believer, you must be a believer with conviction. That's the only way to be a true believer. You can't be a believer with convenience because you know why? Walking with God will take you through inconvenient pathways. Guess what? You're not just walking through inconvenient pathways. You're carrying a big cross on your shoulder as a disciple. Said if you're going to be my disciple, let him let him do what? Deny himself. That was the first thing. Do you know in our text the king was one that signed the law. The king was one that signed a decree. Anybody who prays, you're going into the fire. You're going to be thrown away. You're going to burn, obviously. The king signed the law. But who was kept up at night? the king and the king denied himself by fasting and by having no musicians so there was no entertainment distraction to take his mind off that if a hidden king can deprive himself of his appeasement over a law that he signed why is a believer trying to hold back the things that God is saying do this let go of that go. Are, you, are you getting what I'm saying the only way to fulfill purpose kingdom influence is by conviction. If you lack conviction, every wind of doctrine. Let me ask you a couple of questions to check your conviction. Are you convinced that Jesus came for your sake? If you are convinced that he came for your sake, do you know that means you also go for his sake? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Are you convinced that he suffered for your sake? That also means that you're willing to suffer with him. Isn't that so? Are you convinced that he died for your sake? That means there will be times in your life where you have to die to what you really want. Are you convinced that he was buried for your sake? Are you convinced that he was resurrected for your sake? Are you convinced that he's coming back for your sake? Are you convinced that he's your healer? That he's your deliverer? That he's your way maker? That he's the one who makes room for you in the middle of Christ and contention that he revives you? Are you convinced that without money in your bank account he was still 
will supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Are you convinced? Are you convinced that a thousand may fall to your side and ten thousand by your right hand? Daniel was convinced about that. So when they threw him, you know there's a way you are interested and you're forming commitment. They threaten you a little bit, but there's no conviction. And then you can still hide. But the moment you see the lions with their big bulgy eyes and their nasty gnawing claws about to welcome you to their dinner table where you are the meal, you know you must be like, ah, it's true, it's true. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, King. I'm sorry, King. Daniel saw the lion, but he was not moved. Why? He had the bigger lion on the inside of him, the lion of the tribe of Judah. When you face the lions of life, face the lions of life with conviction, face the lions of life with audacity, face the lions of life with your full chest. Know that you carry a lion that is bigger than any lion on the inside of you. This is not an Andromeda. I can't remember the name. There's a, it's a certain species of lions I was going to mention, Andromeda or something like that. This is not a, that species of lion. It's not an African giant lion. It's not an African white lion. This is the lion from Zion, and it's about to roar through my worship, roar through my prayer, roar. It's about the roar. Do you remember immersion last year? It was about the roar. This year is about spreading the fire because the lion on the inside of you, he has fire in his mouth. He's Allah Dada He's Are you hearing what I'm saying? High five your neighbor. Say, I have the lion from Zion. I can't hear you say anything. No. Some of you are looking like you have the pussycat from Babylon. No. You're saying no, like you have the fish uh, from Syria. Like you have the mosquito from Iran. No. Like you have the AAC from Nigeria. But if you have the lion from Zion, you have the conviction of the spirit. You have audacity and boldness. Look at somebody say, Before mayor, you shall be made plain. Who are thou, great bill? Before Cooper, you are coming down. Who are you, great opposition? Before David, before Bukola, I will eat you, rush, rush. I am not your food, lion. This lion, you are my pillow. The moment Daniel entered the lion's den with conviction. See, if you're ever in trouble, be in trouble boldly. Anything you're doing, do it with your full chest. Some of the people have said to me, said, P-Dams, you turn this 40 with your full chest. Someone said to me, I'm 37, we're friends. He said, I have three years, but you are making 40 hungry me. He said, because you brought so much life and energy and joy. Are you hearing that? I try my best not to commit to anything at all if I'm not entering my full chest. Are you hearing that? There must be boldness on Ayahatabayakopala. Somebody shall conviction. You get it? Get it? Yeah. Say, I get it. Yeah. When you get it, you can tell the devil, get out. Get away. Get off. Get under. He said, Whom resist steadfast in the faith? He said, But so vigilant. The enemy adversary goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom may devour. But say, You resist him steadfast in the faith. Boldness does wonders in the realm of the spirit. Are you here? 
Can I tell you something? If you don't stand at all, don't expect to stand tall. Don't expect to stand tall if you don't stand at all. And it takes conviction to stand and be counted for Christ. In a generation that is making Satanism look so cool. See people wearing all kinds of tattoos. Snake, monkey, baphomet, Osiris, eye, this one, fish with animal. No, this is cool. It's a cool conglomerate of multi-hyphenated nonsense. The second thing we must have is customs. Give me verse 10. I want to preach you into a place. High five somebody say conviction. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. <laughs> My guy went for some unkwabi. I better make a chop. Guy chilled. He didn't go to the city center to go and be analyzing nonsense. Some of us, we spend our energy in gossip and there's no energy to pray. So that level, so that level, then the level of energy and interest then begins to wane when it's time for prayer. We went home and the Bible says, when he got home, he opened his windows toward Jerusalem, knelt down on his knees three times that day gone 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 he went for the next day people have forgotten or two days or three days that same day three times and what did he do now shade him read with conviction can i just encourage you when you are in the early days of anything, establish your customs quickly. Because the latter days of those things have a way of challenging even established customs. If you don't have a prayer life, don't take me slow here. If you don't have a prayer life as a single person, you will really suffer as a mother. Why did I jump to mother and not just fathers? Because the early days of mothering can seem like they are mothering. If you don't have a solid space with the Holy Spirit. Because how do you pray when a child is crying all night long? How do you pray and not murmur? And when you have to feed, like a human being is latched onto your chest for hours. Feed, you not feed. Sleep, you not sleep. Some say, hey, that is not my child in the name of Jesus. Well, <laughs> just receive the child first. <laughs> Let's just pray that one for you first. Are you getting this? So, if, if you're a business person... You have just five customers and you don't study the Bible. They're saying, God, give me 500 customers. What's buy? Buy what? Which bull? Bull or oxen? Which one are you buying? Bala blue. <laughs> By the way, can I... Can, <laughs> don't let me go there. But you know, the Babel, one of the words is bullabal. <laughs> so Bala blue is Babel, which is confusion, which is what happened there. Tell it. We know powder blue, sky blue, <laughs> navy blue, dark blue. But we just ba we even know baba blue. <laughs> we just baller blue. It's definitely a tunnel that is different. So, so start early. The early days are times of customs, not times of crowds. Even in ministry, 
in marriage, in business. The early days are the days where you establish traditions, customs, to-dos, philosophies, foundational stones, guidelines. How will this business run? How will this ministry thrive? How will my life operate? One of the best things you can give to your children is what my parents gave to us to give us solid foundations and disciplines. Early! Are we here? David said, early will I seek you. May I propose to you that that early, whilst it may be literally early, chronological, it's also early, seasonal, the season of anything you are doing. That's the time to build it. So the second thing, we must have customs. Somebody say customs. I want to receive this early because I need to close. Customs. What are customs? Traditions. Sets of activities. When a threat rose from the palace, Cooper, he didn't change Daniel's customs. Many of us, we are quick to alter our practices and customs based on a threat. So you just heard bad news and it's weighing you down, at least weighing your, you down, your physicality, your humanity. Now be like, I won't pray today. That's not the point. The point is you keeping that custom when the pressure is getting worse is a sign that you know the victory is yours. In other words, you're not going to allow the enemy's tantrums dictate your schedule. Oof. You're not going to allow this new thing that the enemy is trying to bamboozle you with, bombard you with, to overwhelm you. You are seated where you are seated. Somebody shout customs. But the way I really want to apply today is to think about customs in terms of customs officer or customs in your office. A believer who engages the kingdom customs is a customs officer for God. Who's a customs officer? You will see a customs officer either at a seaport or an airport or a port of entry. It could be a land, a, a land port of entry. The customs officer is a legally appointed officer who determines what goes out and what comes in. He determines what goods are acceptable for on air flights and what goods are not to be granted entry. The custom officer stays at the gates and then issues decrees that will determine access. A believer who keeps kingdom customs is a customs officer in the spirit. Because the Bible says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the same way the customs officer at Motala Mohammed Airport or Gatwick Airport or Heathrow Airport or GFK Airport or Oliver Tambo Airport will say, can I see your passport and check your ID to know whether you have the legal requirements to gain access into the nation. That's the way the believer will look at that sickness and say, can I see your passport? What is a passport? I asked Kamin the other day. I said, Kamin, you know what a passport is? Come and say, yes, daddy, I know what a passport is. I said, what is it? He said, a passport is something you need to be able to board a plane. I said, hey, my boy is smart. So a passport is what you need to be able, let me break it down, I break down words, to pass through the ports. It's a document you need to pass through the port. As a customs officer in the spirit, you will look at that thing and say, let me see your passport. If it's sickness, you don't have authority to pass through my ports. 
oh help me now if it's disease you don't have authority to pass through my port if it's overwhelmingness you don't have authority where are my customs officer where are those who are licensed and legalized to issue a decree to issue a word to issue an edict to issue an edict to issue a decree where are those who are saying no migraine in 2023 no defeat in 2023 no ailments will live in my body because I am a customs officer that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 Matthew 16 and 19 whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven whatever you lose on earth shall be loose in heaven because you are in charge of access and denial you are in charge of entry and exit so when you look at the passport and you see prosperity what did you say pass through my ports somebody shall pass through my port anything you want shall pass through my port good health prosperity favor kingdom influence dominion power of God over man anything you don't want shall access denies what, what's that what they use what's that what they use when they bounce somebody back uh, deport you're going to deport some things right now I'm not importing sickness whatever you don't want shall deported deported failure weakness sickness divorce disease disease failure shame disgrace poverty lack deported 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 And how many of you know as a customs officer there are two major things you need to have or three number one you must be licensed by the government when Jesus paid for your sins he licensed you said you are accepted in the beloved somebody say I'm wearing my badge what's that badge righteousness ratification if you are not yet saved you haven't received life of Jesus please don't leave this place see Bukola see Pastor Vicky see Jade see Cooper before you leave and say I need to receive the life of Jesus so I've strayed I need to come close to to my king that's number one number two you must mount watch at your position if you're a customs officer sent to the seaport and you're going to the airport wrong placement many of us are called to entertainment your eyes going into food 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 are you see stay at the gate called god called you to are you here god said you're an apostle within the temple he said i must be an apostle in the marketplace no wonder you're monetizing your grace I'm not saying don't monetize your products. I'm saying monetize. You know, people now, some people, we have to pay them for prophecy. I'm not talking about prophet's offering. This is not a prophet's offering. This is prophet's fee. Consultation. <laughs> so 
someone told me a long time ago, I'll never forget. He said that there's this guy, he's a man of God, a pastor, a preacher, that is, but he's called Dr. Easy. And that if you want a time for him to minister to your sickness or your, your illness, he has to, you have to bring a consultation fee in an envelope. <laughs> Just going to start the clinic <laughs> called the spiritual hospital. <laughs> right? So stay at the gate. Number three is that you must be vigilant. Have you seen those customs officers that you've traveled before? And you, as, you, as you're about rolling, anybody, you, you, you're all going, you need to travel abroad this year? Sounds like I don't have customs officers, it's conductor I have. But as you conduct yourself wisely, you come into customs. Customs, they are immigration. Immigration. Your ini will grate. Your breathing will go abroad. <laughs> Your ini will grate. Cooper, you must go abroad this year. This year. This year. This year. Blessing. Good news. Testimony. Go to follow, follow. Follow, follow. Follow, follow, follow. Here they go. This year. Mm-hmm. Plenty money. Now, the third about the customs officer, you know, their eyes will be going up and down. And when they see anybody that looks suspicious, <laughs> they will come and call you and say, Yes, come here. Right? Almost every time PLT and I are traveling, they always think we're our, on our honeymoon. So, a young couple. You're going for your honeymoon. <laughs> Nine years married. So you look very young. Then you now come and me, I'll go and wear jeans. And the next time I'm trying to wear kaftan. <laughs> wear big hats. So what do you say? I have a pastor. So ah, young pastor. What do you really do? <laughs> how much do you have when you declare? X, Y, Z, dollars. Be like, hmm, how did you get this money? Is your money missing? <laughs> But customs officers will question things. You must question conditions in your life. Say, before you gain access, I must question you. And if you are not authorized, if you don't have the visa of victory, you're not coming into my life. Vigilance! Look through your life when anything is doing inigberigberaism. Arikanjabataism. Strolling through your life. Network is jamming. (laughs) You don't have bread, but your network is jamming. You all didn't get that. <laughs> arrested! Somebody say arrested. Say contain it. Let me tell you this and I'll give you the last scene and then we'll close. We're remain standing. Many years ago, I think 2010, I was going to South Africa. And I was going to South Africa. PLT was with me. We're not married then, but we're already in a relationship. So she, she gave me she gave me a gift. I can't remember what it was, but it was something. Um, so I said, yeah. You can't remember what it was. <laughs> it was. It was not the watch. <laughs> All right. But I think it was, it was a token. But I remember, what I remember was what was more, don't judge me, what was more valuable to me. She wrote a handwritten note. That was more valuable to me than a physical gift. Right, but it was not an expensive or image, it was just a token. Oh, you're traveling for two weeks. Oh, I miss you. That's not even she was doing it. Like, I'll miss you too. So she gave me the note and I put it in, you know, very precious. I put it in the carrier bag. Right, and then, of course, 
Musalama Ahmed Airport, mm, travel, boom, South Africa, landed. Two or so days later, I get a call from somebody, and the person says, um, please, who am I speaking with? I said, who am I speaking with? You're the one calling me. <laughs> so I'm speaking with, I want to come from some Demi Lotimo. I said, okay, great. Guess what? I am with, I'm calling from London, I am with your luggage. It was not the whole luggage. It was the, the small carrier, it was a carrier bag, right? So I'm a carrier bag, and I saw this note that somebody who must really love you a lot wrote now what had happened was at the customs somebody listen to this this should bless you for life at the customs because of the flurry of activities and you know they have to frisk you and you remove your belt and remove your watch and whatever and put in the middle of all of that somebody else had picked my luggage the hand the, the handle of the carrier bag and traveled to london because i was not vigilant and the customs officers were not vigilant what happens in the customs of the spirit Pacific carry your luggage are you hearing what i'm saying if you are not vigilant at the intersections of life something that was originally yours by prophecy that was handwritten for you can end up in london when you're in south africa i proclaim as a prophet over your lives wherever your luggage has gotten on the wrong plane your promotion your husband your wife your partners and destiny the victories the glories the things that god ordained for you wherever they might have been mistakenly or accidentally carried by other people we reroute them to you in the name of jesus mainland can you shout amen we reroute them to you in the name of jesus we reroute them to you in the name of jesus we reroute them to you in the name of jesus let your amen resound like thunder every missing luggage every missing baggage every pending prophecy every pending blessing we relocate to you in the name of jesus every offer letter every appointment letter every invitation letter every interview scheduled that has been hanging in the realm of the spirit we relocate to you in the name of jesus every land paper every car paper every product paper every license you need every authorization and every key we give to you in the name of jesus shout amen like thunder shout amen three times prophetically someone say it's coming to you it's coming to you it's coming to you it's coming to you remain standing number three c is courage you're gonna make the shift courage do you know that the people of the world they are courageous in their evil courageous bold in their nonsensical behaviors when that girl is wearing the bomb shot I, I, let, let me ask you guys a question have you seen certain people on Instagram and you were like, this level of boldness is mind-boggling. You will carry your whole body and say the place you want to show it is on a platform that never forgets. And you're going to have children in a couple of years. So your children will grow up 
seeing the nakedness, do people think? You say what? Oh, Momo. Even if their name is Momo. Momo. Momo with a momentum. But Momo is not like that. In fact, we don't raise people like that here. Even if you come, come that way, we accept you come that way, the God of the house changes your heart, your mind, your orientation. But what I'm trying to say is when you see all those girls, like some of you, everything is out. Like everything is out. Everything. You've just given us x-ray. Even though this is your x-ray, when you're not sitting on mukare. I mean, like everything is out there. But see this now. They are bold. Whether that boldness is, is man-made or demonically sponsored, there's boldness there. I want to be bold of your faith that when you are praying for somebody who is sick, you are not second-guessing. You pray from a place of this healing is not based on my eloquence. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. When you stand up to make the presentation and the board meeting tomorrow or Tuesday or pitch the offer to the board of executives, your flesh might be nervous, but your spirit must be courageous. You must stand from a posture of victory. Are we getting this? Do you know how much courage it took Noah to say there will be flood? What is flood? Flood is when there's plenty water. What's plenty water? That's water there. It had never rained on earth. Noah said there will be flood. He said, what's flood? He said, when rain has PhD, that's flood. He said, what's rain? Rain that falls. Rain, 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 rain. Didn't even have the song to play to explain to them. It took courage to prepare for a situation that history had no reference point for. Like what God is telling some of you to do or begin to prepare for. God is telling some of you, do your PhD in AI. That's an I. Chai. You're already there. AI inside it. I. I. Chai. Go and do it. Like, I don't need my PhD. God, God has been laying on your heart. Do a PhD. Do a PhD. He said, I only PhD. I want PhD in dollars. If you have that nudging sensation and you've prayed and you've, you know, and it just wouldn't go, maybe it's time to do it, okay? God is saying to some of you, take an online course and roll in coaching. God is saying to some of you, carry all your dresses and go and give out. Say, yeah! If I give out her dress, how will they address? Angels are like, dress well. We got something for you. Courage! Do you know that obedience requires courage? Because most of God's instructions will point at something that is not easy for the natural man to do. How does David look at a giant that is twice his size? Maybe three times his age and four times his weight and say, I will take you down. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's action in spite of it. It's audacity. And listen, you can't put order in the city if you don't have audacity. Audacity. You know what they say in Yoruba? That guy has higher. That guy is higher. It means that guy has chest. Or as our Igbo brothers will call it, chest. 
Ikemba. Odogu. I give you chest by those birds. Hey! Receive it right now. Isn't it amazing? Joshua had followed David. Okay. Followed Moses all his life. And he's about to enter the promised land. You know what God told me? God told me something. He said that there are people who are Moseses. It does not matter how high I raise them. They can only bring people out. They can only bring people out of sickness, out of trouble, out of struggle. That's who they are. He said one of the assignments of this house and many other houses God has raised in Nigeria right now is not a Moses house. It's a house that takes people in. Because what has happened to the church a lot of times is that people are out but they never go in. So people are out of poverty but they never really enter into kingdom wealth. They are out, they have deliverance but they never enter into roaring righteousness. They are out of cycles of delay but they never enter into a place where they shape culture. And you know one of the major keys to bring people out? One of the major keys? Anointing. Demonstrations. One of the major keys to bring people in? Intelligence and courage. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So he said to Joshua, be strong and of what? Good courage. Which is this bad courage? Bad courage is courage that you use to get stuff just for yourself. Good courage, you're thinking about the king. You're thinking about God says to Joshua, You will divide an inheritance to those people. That's what you will do. Part of my assignments in your life is to divide an inheritance unto you. And as we close today, I release upon everyone here freshness. Somebody shout courage. You're no longer the one who will say, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. I can't go there. I can't be there. I can't have that. People that drive it, they don't have two heads. My mom and I were speaking some nights ago. She was like, people that have global greatness, they don't have three heads. They don't have four heads. You have the spirit of the Holy One. Nice dress. You have the spirit of the Holy One. And that spirit is called the spirit of power and might. Power and might. So my boldness is not audio is backed by a repository of spiritual energy are we here now raise your hands to the master and receive a baptism of conviction customs go back and set the alarm 10 minutes three times a day 15 minutes three times a day set the alarm daniel pray three times a day david said seven times a day i will praise you waste uh that's a western churchill Smith Wigglesworth was the one who said he's quoted to have said I don't remember the last time I prayed for longer than an hour but I don't remember the last time an hour passed in my waking moments where I didn't pray he's now moved from just prayers of petition to a prayer I learned a long time ago which is prayer of communion so prayers of petition very important intercession important prophetic intercession important decrees important but communion is where you hold God in your thoughts and your mind all through the day. And as a human being, you will sleep, you will make some mistakes. But as you grow in that spiritual skill, your failures and your failures will become less and less and less because you're being transformed by the energy and the image of the one you love. And your, your image is becoming his image. Father, we thank you, God. 
Savona Kripas Katovala Shia Sikratos. Thank you, Father. Beniza Kofina Krasilataj. Receive, receive the sweetness of the spirit. You can feel him now. Lord, touch every heart, revive every broken altar. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory today. Thank you for speaking to us, for ministering strength and grace to our hearts, for illuminating us and filling us with joy and gladness. Lord, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl. I thank you for the infusion of spiritual energy and the capacity of your spirit. Thank you for blowing the ashes away from our altar and releasing fresh fire. Thank you for helping us to take our place in our customs. Thank you for reigniting our passion for devotion. Thank you for deepening our conviction. Thank you right now for baptizing us in courage. We are encouraged. We are strengthened. This week we take on giants. This week we do the impossible. This week we do mighty things for the gospel. We walk into the fullness of my inheritance. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we are Somebody say amen. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.